Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 19, entitled, The Hellions vs. The New Mutants, in which I'll be examining issue number 17. Stick around and find out if the crafty new mutants will indeed defeat the Hellions and rescue their friend, Kitty Pride. It'll be an exciting conclusion. You'll be at the edgier seats. At least I hope. Regular listeners know what time it is, and it is time to review our creative team. And obviously, not much has changed. We have Chris Claremont writing, Sal Buscema, Tom Mandrake, and uh, Kim DeMuller. The artists not differentiate, so I'm not going to worry about picking that apart. Uh, I think we can kind of guess who's on pencils, who's doing finishing and stuff. Uh, Lettering is by Orzechewski, and colorist is Glynis Wynn. We have Anne Nascenti as the editor. This is her first appearance in this role, and she's taking over for Louise Jones. She's going to be editor on the X-Books kind of here forward. Um, she's kind of taken over this role. Um, she'll be doing New Mutants, editing New Mutants, and uh, the X, Uncanny X-Men. Editor-in-chief, uh, still Jim Shooter. Uh, Anne Nascenti, she's a great, great writer in her own right. She's a teacher, a journalist, filmmaker, editor. Uh, she's best known for her work in comic books. Uh, she edited, obviously, like I said, The New Mutants and Uncanny X-Men, and co-created Typhoid Mary, Blackheart, Longshot, Mojo, Spiral. She was involved in the Longshot miniseries. She wrote that. Uh, so she's got some credentials, uh, and, and she's been a creative force. She was part of the Beauty and the she wrote on that. She was editor for Hulk, Defenders, Doctor Strange, The Thing. So she's she's definitely uh, worked for Marvel for some time. Uh, Arthur and Adams and Anne Nascenti were the creative team on the Longshot miniseries. Uh, she she got she did some work on Daredevil as well. All before she most of this was all came before the New Mutants editorial working as editor for for the New Mutants and Uncanny X-Men. So yeah, that's who we're going to have. And and she has a great working relationship uh, with Chris Claremont. And and for that that matter, also with uh, Louise Jones, Louise uh, Simonson, who who will uh, take over X-Factor here uh, shortly. Uh, So what... uh, Let's talk too about this cover. It's it's a great cover. We have it's Jetstream and Cannonball on this cover, and we see the New Mutants in the in the corner box, all like kind of ducking back from uh, Cannonball's rocket uh, trail, and uh, watching as these two combatants kind of race each other on the cover. Uh, Jetstream punches um, Cannonball. And in this cover, it was done by Brigman and Zinkevich, it looks like. And we're going to have a big shakeup on this title after this issue. We are no longer going to see Buscema on the book. And instead, we're going to see a new artist 
coming on and cutting his teeth. But we'll talk more about that uh, in the next issue, the next episode. But yeah, let's dive right into episode number 17 entitled Getaway. So the first page is a splash page and we see the Hellion team, right? We see Jetstream and Empath and Roulette and Cat's Eye and Thunderbird all all on this page and Jetstream's slapping at Empath who is struck in the face and this leads to a scuffle between the two of them um Jetstream's extremely upset obviously with what had happened when he was fighting Cannonball and Magma um Empath had risked almost killed him uh during that that confrontation and and Empath uh doesn't seem to care too much that that had happened uh Jetstream uh is super super angry obviously and cuz at the lack of concern for uh Empath has for his safety and uh he he leaps uh basically tackles Empath to the ground and uh, is ready to start pummeling him in the face, uh, Empath, as Jetstream is straddling him on top of him. And Empath, he reaches out, uses his empathetic powers, his ability to manipulate emotions to do that uh, to Jetstream here. And he does that. He he ha- he tells, using his powers, his abilities, he, he basically tells, em- has Jetstream believing that he is Empath's friend, right? That he's that they're friends and that he's super sorry that he had struck him and that you know he he you know it, he it's his mistake and we see this really like just defeated and like sad and like depressing Empath or Jetstream as Emma Frost enters the room and basically tells him to knock it off. That there's going to be some point down the road when Empath is going to need these teammates to, re- he's going to need them there to help him. There, and, and if he continues to treat them this way, he may not be able to rely on them. Uh, Empath is really not having it after things have been broken up by the White Queen. He tells he tells Jetstream, and I and I really love this line. Uh, Empath, as written by Claremont, he's he's such a scumbag. He's such a terrible, terrible, evil person, right? This is what he says to uh, Jetstream as they are moving away from, uh, kind of moving towards uh, White Queen and kind of heading towards their class that they're supposed to have. Ella Rob, Ella Ram. I could easily make you loathe yourself so deeply you would instantly commit suicide. Assault me again or even cross me and you will regret it. And so, you know, like none of this is lost to Emma, to the White Queen, right? She's able to read their thoughts. Uh, she's a telepath. So she knows exactly what's being said and what's going on at all times. And she tells him to stop again. And he so badly, Empath so badly wants to cross her. He is so uppity and he just, he doesn't think she can stop him. And he, he's very much of the belief, like, no one should be giving him orders. And 
Emma knows that this is going on, this internal conflict within him is going on, that, that he really believes that he could take out Emma Frost and that there's, you know, no one that could really stand in his way. And she's, she realizes at this point that she's going to have to keep closer eye on Empath because he's, he could easily challenge her at any moment. Not that she's afraid that she couldn't defeat that challenge, but she needs to have this team working together because they are a weapon to be wielded by the Hellfire Club in their quest for power. And this ambition that he is showing, that Empath is showing, it makes him dangerous. But she, she believes it's the perfect, it makes him a perfect candidate. That, that Even though he's dangerous, he's a perfect candidate for the Hellfire Club. So, she has them moving towards class. Cat's Eye kind of begins to slink away. She's still in her cat form. And, and Emma's like, no, you need to come with me. And we see Cat's Eye, finally, we see her turning into a human. And we see that what we find out through the narration of Chris Claremont here is that she's a young metamorphosis, just like we see with Rain. But her ability, her face is not as nice looking. It's, it's much more animal-like. It's much more uh, cat-like in appearance. And in her human form, it all feels alien. And she feels ugly and very clumsy, unlike she does when she's in her cat form. But she does as she's told. She listens to Emma. And what she wants, what Emma wants to do is to go over what had happened in their, their confrontation with the New Mutants. She is, thinks there's much that they can learn from, from what had happened. And Thunderbird is not impressed. He, he really is kind of questioning it. He doesn't see what fighting children is doing. That's not what he came for, here for. His real goal is to have revenge against the X-Men. They're the ones who killed his brother, John Proudstar. And Thunderbird is James Proudstar, right? The younger brother of John Proudstar, the original Thunderbird, who died in New Mut or in Uncanny X-Men or X-Men 97. And so he is here to avenge his brother. And Emma Frost's like, yeah, you'll get your chance. You just need to continue to work. Uh, we will get to that, but this this is first, um, and it's it's a lot of like just we're learning some things about these mutants, right? We learn a little bit about Cat's Eye. We learn about uh, Thunderbird's resentment and uh, the desire for revenge against the X Men. We're finding out how just terrible and how like ambitious and maniacal uh, we we see. Uh, empath to be and he takes this moment right and in in front of all of these his fellow teammates to say yeah i was wrong i lost my temper uh when we were in battle and jets jets dreams correct i did place his life in jeopardy and you know emma publicly she applauds this but he does she's she knows that this isn't in character for him and she figures he's playing at something and you know, she's hoping the teams learn something from their conf confrontation with the new mutants, right? That there's a difference between survival and victory, and that depends on their ability to work together, is her opinion. Uh, meanwhile, Taro has been had something happen with her cards. One card has come face up, and she 
she sees that it's the card for lovers and she has some concerns. She's not really sure what to make of it. And again, Emma Frost, she's aware of what's going on. Um, and she's beginning to be concerned that uh, tarot may become a problem in her plans for what is currently happening elsewhere in the sprawling underground complex hidden beneath the prestigious Massachusetts Academy. We see the new mutants and Kitty Pride. They're in a room. It's got multiple beds. We see Amara sitting on a bed. Uh, Rain Sinclair is kind of huddled next to the bed. Something's still wrong with Roberto's back from when he was battling. Uh, he's holding it with both hands, and he's clearly in pain. Uh, Sam's investigating the door, and Kitty's spread out against, uh, on a bed. And Roberto, he's telling us that something happened, uh, and his back is still hurting from his time when he fought with uh, Thunderbird and Roulette. And he can't stand up. He's in great pain. It's like he threw out his back. Uh, Kitty goes to massage his back. Uh, we also find out at this point, uh, as Kitty's massaging his back, trying to help him ease his pain, and Roberto's just loving the attention, obviously, from Kitty Pride. He's got just this, like, uh, just, like, relaxed, like, um, suave smile on his face as he's just enjoying and, like, basking in this attention from Kitty Pride. Uh, Sam's talking about the door, meanwhile, right? Like, he he or Bobby could easily just smash through it. And Kitty informs them that they're in a room. It's, it's like, Kitty should have been able to phase through the walls herself, but she's not been able to. There's something that's, there's a dampening field that neutralizes their powers. Um, you know, so, you know, she she's tried to escape. Um, and the White Queen's probably where the, their, their plans anyways uh they're not really sure what to do uh they also inform her that like she's like you guys shouldn't have come you guys shouldn't have come the x-men should have come the, the hellfire clubs some of the x-men's deadliest enemies you know there wasn't a chance that you were going to save me and they tell her hey you know we we tried to get the x-men they're missing so are the fantastic four and the avengers we were told to get them We've called. They're nowhere to be found. Nobody knows where any of them are. The hero, the greatest heroes on earth, are missing. Uh, and so, they've informed her of that, and obviously she's upset. And they do, they do say, hey, you know, Ileana and and Danny managed to escape. You know, there's still hope. And we see an image of the White Queen. She's presented herself to the mutants, and. You know, she's she's like, you know, you're clinging to like straws here, grasping at straws. The chances of them rescuing you are, uh, they're not foolish enough to return. And if they do, you know, they'll share in your fate. Uh, and Kitty says, you know, my mind is my own. And the White Queen just laugh, you know, laughs at that. If you say so, Catherine, you know. It, it, the, the situation looks pretty dire for our new mutants here at the Massachusetts Academy. Elsewhere, limbo. Uh, we see Ileana and Danny, both, they both lay on the ground. They both appear to be unconscious. And limbo is a hell dimension. It looks like hell. And um, what we, we know that it doesn't adhere to any of the laws of time or space. And as these two girls lay there on the ground in this very, like, desolate, 
really horrid looking place. They're being approached by demons. Uh, Danny realizes this and, you know, continuing to lay there, lures them in. She grabs a, some rock and hits one in the face, and this buys her some time. Uh, but she realizes they're stunned. They're going to be on them again, if she, and she's got to do something. She uses her mutant abilities. She reaches into, one of, into their minds, and she pulls out their darkest fear. And we see an image of Sim. And we know Sim uh, from, obviously, Ileana's time in Limbo. Uh, the miniseries, but the New Mutants know her from, know him from, uh, issue number 14 of the New Mutants when he had attacked Xavier and tried to kill Ileana. And Danny's not really sure what's going on here. She does realize this is where Ileana had grown up and where she's come from. And at that moment, she hears somebody say, Good day, sweetheart. She spins around and there stands Sim, his arms folded. Is this a visit, or do you plan to stay? Uh, and we turn the page, and we see that he has helped them. If you remember, Ileana had defeated him in combat and basically had him swear allegiance to her. He is now uh, basically uh, helping her rule Limbo. He answers to her because she is the rightful ruler of Limbo, having beaten Belasco. So Ileana wakens. She's laying in bed. Uh, she's been changed into a new gown, and so has Danny. She looks like a warrior, and Ileana looks like an elegant uh, mistress or ruler. Um, and what we begin to find out is that, well, what Danny begins to find out, some of which we already knew the readers, was that uh, she... Things have changed in Limbo. She's a ruler, and loyalties have changed as a result. And Sim is now working for her, and he he agrees with that. And she also, Ileana also kind of spills the beans in the conversation with Sim that she is the manga, Magus, and that means that uh, Danny, her friend, was... Uh, acting kind of as her champion and therefore is dressed in the warrior garb and Ileana is the magus dressed in the more elegant gown. So because of the word magus, Danny is beginning to piece some stuff together that like Ileana is a pretty powerful sorceress, more, more powerful than any of the new mutants had even begun to realize. None of them knew how powerful she truly was. And, you know, Danny's also concerned because Ileana's really, looks really injured. She's got a lot of bruises, a lot of cuts, scrapes. She looks like, and she's been unconscious for a long time. Uh, and if she wouldn't have woken up, you know, Danny would have been trapped in limbo. And that really bothered her. <laughs> you know, that was really starting to get to her. And Sim's like, well, you know, what's wrong with that? You know, I would have entertained you. And with that, Ileana waves her hand, and a stepping disc teleports Sim away. Uh, Ileana and Danny need to get moving. And so Ileana decides to cast a healing spell to heal her injuries. And thankfully, we get some narration from Danny through her thought bubbles as Ileana's pentacrest, white flames, uh, pentagram, white flamed, uh, appears beneath her. 
she is facing the base of the pentagram. The, the tip is behind her of the star. And Danny points out, you know, in her thoughts that the white magic, this white silver flames indicate white magic, good magic. But facing this base of this pentagram suggests black magic. That's something that people casting black magic normally do. It's something that we've consistently seen with Ileana. The mixing of the two uh, sources, uh, you know, black and white magic. Um, and Danny's not really sure what that means. She doesn't know if that means Ileana's good or bad. If the two magics should be mixed. Uh, but Ileana's engulfed in white flames and she is healed. But she's pretty exhausted. It took a lot out of her. and She's surprised by this. She wishes she could sleep. Um, Danny, she's asks, you know, can you manage without the rest you need? Ileana's like, I have to. Okay, if you fall, I'll be there to catch you. Even though you still don't completely trust me. And you're more than a little scared. Danny says, yes. Thanks. That means more than you know. Where do we need, where do we go from here? Back to the lion's den. And with that, Ileana teleports the two girls out of limbo. Uh, let's talk really quick, though, momentarily here about Sim. He's a demon, obviously, and he looks fairly scary, but there's more often than not, he uses drawn with this giant cigar. He has, like, a black vest. He looks oftentimes very cartoony. Um, but that evil, cartoony look really kind of adds to the, like, horror of it um, to a certain degree. Uh, it, it's very fitting, and it really fits when, especially when you're targeting a child with some scary cartoonish demon thing that just can't be killed and can't be stopped and is tearing, you know, characters like Wolverine and Colossus apart uh, with pretty, pretty much ease. Um, he's a pretty terrifying character, and, and that cartooniness really kind of lends itself to that. Uh, it adds to this, like, invincibility almost. Right, that like a cartoon exists. Uh, if you think to like Wiley e. Coyote falling off the cliff, this cartoonish coyote that just never dies, like Sim has a little bit of that air to him. Right, we've seen Wolverine impale him with his claws. We've seen him stabbed, and uh, you know, which would have killed anyone else, and he keeps coming back. Uh, so his character's kind of like a boogeyman, and. Uh, He's pretty fitting for uh, a character in Limbo. So Ileana and Danny teleport back. They aren't sure if they're in the right spot, but they hear some voices coming and they hide, obviously, in a closet because it seems, or not a closet, but an empty office. And they peek through the door and we see the Hellions and New Munits. They're all together and they're all in that purple or pink fuchsia colored uniform. And they're all getting along swimmingly. And they're not really sure what's going on. Uh, they're all wearing the same outfits. They all look like Miss, Mrs. Frost's students. And they're all acting like best friends. And something doesn't feel right. It just doesn't seem correct. Uh, and Danny points out that it was winter when they teleported away from 
uh, Massachusetts and it was the middle of the night and now the sun's out and it's green the trees look green it was summer uh, and they find a newspaper and they realize that they're off a year that that they teleported a year into the future and that they're not in the right time or space uh, and so they're you know they're discussing this and they're interrupted by the white queen she bursts into the office I thought I heard some familiar psychic voices. Your former teammates will be pleased to see you, will welcome you to their ranks. They've missed you terribly, as have I. And, you know, she's ready to capture these two girls. And again, they're, they port away. Uh, Ileana ports them away. Because, obviously, they're not going to do much here. Uh, they've got to try to get back to the right time. And so Ileana ports her and Danny back to limbo. So obviously the girls get away and they retry the teleportation. And this time they get within a week of the time they left. It's winter still and they're debating on what to do next. Danny's asking, you know, maybe it's too late. Maybe the damage has been done. Maybe we should try to uh, go back to limbo. Maybe... Maybe try again. And Ileana says she doesn't think that's a good idea. That it was probably she put everything she had to get them this close, right? And uh, she doesn't think she can get them any closer. This is probably as good as it's going to get. Um, she says she's really nervous that she's fearful because the last time they poured it into this office, remember the White Queen burst in on them. She's afraid that that could happen again. Uh, Danny's going to call home. She calls back to see if the X-Men are there. It's been a week. Maybe they're back. Uh, there's no answer. There's still no one home. Um, she really was hoping the X-Men would be there. And she thinks it's weird that, you know, they're missing, obviously. But Ileana points out, you know, I know how you feel. You know, her brother's missing too. But these two girls, Danny and Ileana, they realize... They're the only hope for their teammates. And so they've got to try to save them. Danny's like, well, I wish we still had those Hellfire uniforms. And Ileana makes kind of a crack here. She's like, well, you know, just smile and say we're going to a costume party. And they head out into the corridor. And they quickly find their teammates. And Danny goes in and wakes Rain. And Rain is so happy to see Danny she embraces her in a hug, and she's like, well, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we got to wake up the others. She, uh, Rain asks Ileana with her, and she's like, Danny tells her, nope, she's out in the hall keeping an eye. We, we need to get the others up, though, and get out of here uh, before, before we're caught. All of a sudden, the lights come on, and Ileana's uh, being uh, restrained, and her mouth covered by John Prou uh, James Proudstar. Thunderbird, and with him are the rest of the Hellions, uh, and they are looking like they're not too happy to see Danny and Ileana. So it looks as though our heroines have been captured. So the Hellions propose a duel. Uh, they don't like the idea, most of them, uh, Jetstream and, and uh, Thunderbird, uh, are not big fans of the idea that they're being forced to join the Hellions. Everyone on the Hellions team joined willingly, and they don't want to see the New Mutants 
coerced or forced into joining the team. They want them to join willingly. And so they propose a duel. One of the new mutants versus one of the Hellions in a duel. And whoever wins, uh, if the, the Hellions win, then the new mutants, they'll stay and stay willingly. If the Hellions lose, if the new mutants win, then the new mutants go free. And Danny, you know, realizes that Ileana's unconscious at this point. Uh, Thunderbird has used a nerve pinch to render her unconscious, so they can't teleport away, and they'll be honor-bound by their word, but will the Hellions honor their word? Uh, they end up accepting uh, the, the challenge Danny does uh, as the team leader. They're in the combat room for, for the Hellions. It's an analog of the danger room the X-Men use, and this is where the cannonball and jet stream will uh, will engage in the duel. Uh, the rules are basically uh, that until one of them yields, once one yields, the, the duel is over. Uh, the first to yield is the loser, and that decides the match. Thunderbird hits a button when they're ready, and they go, uh, and they're off. Uh, cannonballs rocketing and jet streams flying. Uh, cannonballs has some stuff shot at him and he plummets from the sky dodging that uh, jet streams entangled in tentacles uh, cannonball grabs this thing and begins rocketing again cannonball frees him or jet stream frees himself from the, the tendrils and cannonball runs into the ceiling he's unable to maneuver as as agilely as jet stream appears to be um, and and everybody's uh, the new mutants are screaming for Sam uh, Roberto wants him to do better. Rain is hoping that uh, he doesn't, you know, Sam is okay. She doesn't want to see him hurt. And the Hellions are cheering for Jetstream. Uh, and it begins to get more and more, uh, more and more um, combative as Cannonball frees himself from the ceiling and flies uh, back towards Jetstream. Jetstream uh, smashes into him and throws Sam into this uh, smushing device. Cannonball uh, breaks himself free of it, rocketing just before he's struck by these uh, metal pads, um, sending stuff crashing towards the ground, um, and things just continue. Sam is heading for some rings, and Jetstream's hot on his tail. Sam grabs a ring and flies around, you know, using his, his uh, inertia to spin around and kicks... Uh, Jetstream in the head. They both in, are in. Uh, Sam grabs hold of Jetstream and they plummet to the ground. They smash into the ground and and Cannonball is straddling Jetstream and he's telling him to give up, to yield, and Jetstream refuses to do so. Uh, Cannonball, you know, he he finally, uh, you know, he, you know, you're hurt. You're going to get hurt. One of us is going to be hurt really bad. Uh, just surrender and. You know, Jetstream's like, no, you surrender. If you're worried about us getting hurt, then you're the one who should yield. Uh, and they're interrupted. They're interrupted by Sebastian Shaw and the White Queen. They've returned. Uh, and, you know, they're not willing to honor whatever agreement the Hellions came to. It didn't matter. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the Hellions want or if they want to honor their, their duel. They're... they're 
Sean, the White Queen, see these mutants as just pawns in their game for power, right? We've we've known this from the start. This has been Emma's M.O. This has been Shaw's M.O. They see their pieces at their hand. They're here. This is what they've wanted from the beginning, since issue number two of the New Mutants, since issue number one, really, we we know that Sat Sebastian Shaw, and Do- or Donald Price, somebody in the Hellfire Club, has been maneuvering to capture these students of Xavier's, and they're they're just pawns for the Hellfire Club, and they're not gonna uh, let them just walk out of here, no matter what has been agreed between the two teams. Cannonball isn't gonna stand for it, and he rockets towards Sebastian Shaw. Uh, and Sebastian Shaw just bats him away as though he's nothing. Uh, the fight continues. Uh, Sunspot activates his power and he charges Shaw. Uh, Danny tries to lash out with her mind, right? She wants to attack Shaw with her mind. Emma inter- you know, basically interrupts this process and reflects uh, Danny's sigh attack back on her. And she pulls from her own mind the, the vision of the demon bear and Obviously, Danny's terrified by this. Uh, Shaw is struck by Roberto. It really doesn't phase him. He's able to absorb power, and uh, it, it's it's like nothing. And he begins strangling Roberto. Uh, uh, and things don't look very good for the New Mutants at this point. So Shaw basically has Roberto by the throat. He's taunting him, telling him about his father having joined the Inner Circle and being... A close friend. Roberto is just, you know, defiant to the end, telling him it's a lie. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, while everyone's distracted, Kitty Pride s- sneaks off and, and she phases through the wall and uses her phase abilities to interrupt, uh, to interfere with the computer program in, a, in, the, in the, this danger room, the equivalent of the danger room, this combat room of uh, the Massachusetts Academy, and it goes haywire. Things just start shooting. Shaw is caught off guard, uh, and um, the New Mutants huddle around Ileana, and Cat's Eye and Rain drag Roberto to Ileana, and the New Mutants port back to the mansion and return home. Um, they they escape, uh, and, you know, Danny points out that they got lucky. You know, they're lucky that they got away and they're lucky, you know, that everybody's safe and back at the Xavier mansion. Um, they, they, they're they lucky to have made it away. Um, you were right, Sam. We're great in our own league, but we were high school varsity taking on the pros. You know, Sam had tried to warn them that they were, they were punching out of their weight class, that they that they had really bitten off more than they could chew, and none of them listened. Like they they tried, they knew they had to step in. Uh, you know, they they realized they did okay against the Hellions, but when it came to the adults, to uh, just two of the Hellfire clubs, uh, whether they're the best or not, you know, Shaw and 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 the White Queen, they were easily outmatched. And as they're all going back towards the mansion to head inside, something calls to Danny. Moonstar. And she she spins. What? What's that? Who's called my name? Great spirit, protect me. And we see this misty, 
form, this cloudy, billowing form. None can save thee, little Cheyenne. Neither God nor man. Make thy peace. Bid farewell to thy friends. For I that claim thy monster and thy, thy mother and thy father will soon come for thee. Danny's face. She, she's just perspirating. She is terrified. It's, it's a great last panel. It's a great last panel from Sal Buscema because he is going to be replaced. And in the next issue, we are going to see Bill Sienkiewicz taking on his first issue and Danny Moonstar is going to confront the demon yeah, we've been waiting a long time to see Sienkiewicz come on this book and to tackle the Demon Bear Saga. And we're here. And next issue is entitled Death Hunt. So next week we dive into the Demon Bear Saga. It's going to be amazing. Bill Sienkiewicz, he is easily my favorite favorite artist uh, of the comic medium. His work on this book is... Unbelievable and beautiful and like groundbreaking. He he revolutionized art at the time, you know, in the eighties. He was you know, groundbreaking. Uh it may not seem that way today, but that is the case. Uh and we're also gonna review, you know, why this change occurred and how some of the main uh players, uh specifically Selbusema felt about it. Uh, but we'll get into that next week. Um, yeah, so that's the conclusion. The New Mutants barely escape the Massachusetts Academy. And if you notice, uh, it's the New Mutants and Kitty Pride. Doug, Doug Ramsey is still at the Massachusetts Academy. Um, and uh, that, that we will discuss uh, here shortly. So like I said, it's never really explained why or how Doug gets away. Why did Emma let Doug go? Um, you know, the reason could be uh, that Xavier goes to Massachusetts. Uh, in the next issue, that is that is mentioned, that Xavier does go to Massachusetts. So it's entirely possible that he goes to Massachusetts and, and speaks with the White Queen and bargains for uh, Doug's, Doug's return or release. Um, who knows? Or maybe because uh, whatever the, the Hellfire Club overplayed their hand or because they lost Kitty Pride, or maybe they just didn't find Doug Ramsey to be uh, a value. Um, it, you know, if, if Kitty Pride and the X-Men didn't know that Doug was a mutant, it's entirely possible that Doug, they didn't know Doug Ramsey was a mutant. Uh, you know, the Hellfire Club didn't either. Um, and if that's the case, uh, you know, maybe it was just Kitty Pride and the New Mutants that they were really after. You know, and and Doug was not part of the part of the part of what the White Queen and the Hellfire Club were interested in at the time. And so, it, you know, any of those explanations uh, allow us to allow Doug his freedom from the Massachusetts Academy uh, and his return to uh, Westchester with uh, an, an eventual joining of. The New Mutants. Um, as I said, next issue, Bill Sienkiewicz. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait to get into it. Um, and that's that'll be issue, episode number 20. So, 
yeah, we'll dive into that next week. So I want to quickly thank the listeners who have taken the time to rate and review the podcast. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and I noticed one of the listeners did have a question uh, to to a degree, and, and that's what I'm looking to cover with this podcast. Certainly, the goal is for sure 100 issues, uh, the original series of The New Mutants, all 100 issues, that would be ideal, plus the annuals. He, he was wondering, or they were wondering, if I would be covering anything beyond that. And the answer to that question is, we'll see when we get there. The plan originally was, yeah, anything that uh, could be construed as relating to New Mutants would be covered. Uh, so ideally, we'd move from the New Mutants first series into X-Force, from X-Force into the subsequent uh, New Mutants, Volumes 2 and 3, and and just kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, that's a lot of material, and if I go on issue by issue, it's going to take a bit of time to actually accomplish that. So we'll see see what happens, but, but I do want to complete the first 100 issues, and we'll see where we're at. But that's, that's the plan. That's kind of where my vision uh, is taking me at this point. Uh, like I said, thank you to those listeners who have reviewed. And um, hopefully we just keep getting better and uh, better and better as we move forward. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episode are available on Facebook. Uh, by searching James Explores the New Mutants. You can also contact the podcast uh, via uh, Anchor. They have this uh, voicemail message feature that allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long messages that are then sent directly to me. I can then add those messages directly into the episode, uh, which allows you, the listeners, a great way to interact with the podcast. Um, and I highly encourage it. If you have questions, comments, concerns, please let me know, and I will uh, do my best to answer them or uh, address them moving forward. Yeah, I can't wait. We're going to dive into Bill Sienkiewicz's work next week. It's going to be a blast. He is my all-time favorite artist. So until next week, keep reading those comics.